This podcast is given to you by Arloka David Smith, teacher and founder of the Dharma Mind Buddhist Group. For more information, please go to dharmamind.net. I don't know what you made of my talk yesterday or, or what you understood <clears throat> from it. Um, what do you thought I what what do you thought the message was? <clears throat> I don't know. I always assume that you do. But often the evidence later <laughs> points otherwise. Well, what I was trying to say yesterday really is no more um, than what I've been saying since the very beginning, actually. And um, certainly a lot of a lot more emphasis lately of simple naked awareness, being present with that silent, still mind, which some of you may remember is what I've been emphasising quite a lot, although actually it all goes back to the beginning anyway, but nevertheless. So really what I was I guess trying to convey was um, my own personal understanding and practice and where and where I'm at as it were and, and what's in place for me and when I look at what is in place for me <clears throat> it's no different than the first time I started practice all those years ago because this isn't something progressive this isn't something where you go from A to Z on a, on a journey but rather simply clarify what's already there at the very beginning and that's why I'm always a little bit a little bit uncomfortable with the uh, <clears throat> the concept of a path which is the normal way of expressing and talking about the Dharma and, and practice training, that it's a path, which always suggests, well, like all paths, that you go, that you alight on a path because you're going somewhere, and you walk a path and you, <coughs> and you get to a destination. And it's, I think, in all Buddhist traditions. The training is always referred to as a path, but I'm always a little bit uncomfortable with that, simply for that reason that it suggests that you're going from A to B. Whereas, in fact, I think you, you never leave, you, you never leave A. But what you do is that you clarify A. So, if you call that a progression or a 
that you're going somewhere, well, do so. But for me, I think it's much it's much more accurate to refer to it as a as a clarification, and that's why I've always bolted. Again, it, it's it's common language. This whole notion of progress that to me suggests that you're going from A to B, that you're progressing, and it's it's, it's normal language within Buddhism used but us people love going from A to B we do it all our lives with our ambition with our projection of our life I'm like this and I want to be like that that life is always is always a progression it's always about going somewhere um, progressing in life growing up progressing as I say having ambition We're familiar with that. And then you bring those concepts into the Dharma. And it then gives the impression that the Dharma is, is no different than, than a worldly activity, pursuit, um, understanding. That's why I always feel a bit uncomfortable with those words, because actually I don't think it's like that. I think it's, 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 it's a, a process of clarification. You want to call that progress? Clarification, a polishing, seeing clearer, seeing ever clearer with greater clarity what actually you've been looking at from day one. And I think that's much more of of an accurate appraisal of the Dhamma, especially with us because we don't have a conceptual practice we don't indeed have a progressive practice um, full of formulas and methods and what have you, which always give a sense of progression, of achieving. Um, we, we, don't, we, don't, we don't have any of those things with our training because we are already at the end when we're at the beginning. In other words, there isn't anywhere to go. But clarify what's already in front of you. And that's what I was really pointing to yesterday and what I've pointed to for the last X number of years, that it's, it's a, mere, a, mere, a mere clarification. And I think that's a lot more useful to view the training with those concepts, with those ideas, because then it does help to take you away from your normal worldly mind, your normal worldly activities, the way things work in the world, of always progressing, going somewhere, achieving, goal-orientated. The ego, which is always goal-orientated, always wanting. Um, I think it's much more, especially for our sort of training, because we don't really do this progressive concept at all I really think that's very important because to get to understand and to get this get it get what we're doing is not easy it can take years and years and years to get how this works and some people can be at it for years and still never get it because they're so trapped in their conditioning a progression of achieving that they can never break out of that notion of 
of, of being goal orientated. Um, and to get it, to get to get it, to get what this is about is is is, is unique. Is unique in your life. It's not something you're familiar with. But it's something that you have to wake up to, that you have to get. And when you get it, you then polish it, you, you clarify it, you, you make it more bright, more transparent, more obvious, more clear. That actually, you, you see it, you actually see it for what it, for, for what it is, because... At the, at the base, at the very fundamental of our of our training, is that we're already there. <clears throat> our true nature, our Buddha nature, which is our liberation, is already with us, whole and complete. Can never be a possession. You can never hold on to it. You can never do anything with it. It can certainly never be a possession. And it's and it's it is simply a process of waking up to what is to to what you are, and, and often when we play with that concept Buddha nature, we can think of it as an object. I'm here, and Buddha nature's over there, because that's that's how the this mind works. Our everyday mind is a mind of duality. It creates objects. It can't function in any other way. So when you talk of Buddha nature, it's always a, a thing, and it's that thing is over there, and I'm over here. And that's wrong too. Actually, you live out of your Buddha nature. You never left it from the day you were born. You can't leave it. It's who you are. But somehow, something happens along the way where a misunderstanding comes in and we we lose it we misinterpret it we 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 turn it into something that i think because something that we can understand we can understand we can understand objects and duality and we can do that with our nature our true nature and then we can think that we know about it and feel comfortable with it but actually what we're pointing to is is inconceivable it can never be understood because it's not a part of our dualistic mind and our, and our mind cannot cannot transcend duality our, our, our normal conditioned mind cannot is impossible it cannot transcend duality and that's nothing to do with intelligence education it's just the limitations of this thing that we that we live out that we that, that we consider ourselves to be we live out of and everything and everything that that happens has to fit into that duality we have to create everything and and put it in that put it in that framework and when we do that we feel comfortable and we think that we know we know all about this is this is the whole notion of I would say of, of god God, who's inconceivable, but we have to create an object in some way. 
always consider God to be a thing, male, female, object, out there, and I'm here. Then we feel comfortable, we think that we understand. We can make sense of something that cannot be made sense of. God and Buddha nature, it's the same thing, just different words, concepts. So we turn Buddha nature into a God, into something dualistic. We got to look. We have to learn to go beyond that. To go beyond the conditioned mind, beyond the mind that has that limitation. And that's what our training, hopefully, <clears throat> takes us to, and it takes us there through the portal of our awareness that we often consider to be a part of our dualistic makeup, but actually, when you Come to know it, be still, get familiar, trust, open up to. You begin to see that it actually isn't a part of the dualistic world. It follows all of those rules. And that's what we open to. That's what this is called waking up. You wake up to it. It's already there. So you don't make it. You make things with your mind. Your normal mind creates, as I was saying yesterday, the mind is creating all the time. Everything that's in your mind is a creation, is an object that has a beginning, middle and end. Everything. Everything. And that everything is, is that creation. Or, or that's you in, what, what you experience, you, you interpret as having a beginning, middle and end, which I think is probably closer to it, you, you interpret it that way, because you can't grasp it. You can't grasp the truth of what you see, because the, the normal mind cannot grasp the truth. So it, 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 it distorts it, so that it can make sense, and feel comfortable in control. So it creates objects, and that goes for everybody. And we never we never step outside of that of that mind, which is a mind that has been cre- that we create is created. We're not born with it. It's, it is something that we create, and that goes for everybody. And then you live out of that world, and you never transcend it. You're trapped forever in something that's a creation. But there's a part of us that isn't created. It's the uncreated. And that's what we need to discover because it's only when we discover that part of us and we invite it into our lives do we become free. Do we go beyond dukkha? Do we begin to open up the human heart in its in its genuineness, not in its in itself um Self um, desires, but in its in its in its true in its true self selfless nature, the human heart begins to open up. This is not an intellectual journey, but much more of an emotional one, <clears throat> actually, much more of a heartfelt one. And discovering. Our heart, our true heart, our unfettered heart, a heart that's not been polluted and distorted with self-interest. 
so that we become a true human being and that and that true self nature can begin to express itself through warmth and love compassion and all the other qualities that we that we uh, that we admire in the human makeup and and that's the journey that's that's we we're going from the un- we're going from the condition to the unconditioned and I, and I try to as best I could put that across yesterday of seeing the conditioned and what it does and how it creates continually to that part of us that doesn't create because it it it, it isn't something that stops and starts like our normal mind stops and starts and creates objects, creates events, decides not to really be in contact at all with a lot of the things that we engage with during the day. In other words, we become mindless, we just we just mechanical. We're not here, we're somewhere else. We're never we're never present, we're never dealing we're never alive and and responding spontaneously to to life which is right there in front of us a bit like the personal persons the last two days have been slamming that door out there going through that door and slamming it behind them instead of stopping and realizing oh I'm going through the door here I will stop and I will close it quietly and not disturb other people. Never mind, and also have some respect for the door, actually, because one of the one of the things that you wake up to is that everything has Buddha nature. It's not just humans, it's not even just sentient beings, but all things all come from the same source. A Buddha and a and a, and a door. That's the same origin, that's the same source. So that door is a Buddha. But you go through it and just abuse it because you're not here. You don't, you know, you're not aware. You don't respond in, in the correct way. So, so much of our day, we're, we're not even here, as it were. Although, of course, paradoxically, you ain't anywhere else but here. But you're off in your fantasies, creating... Who knows what in your mind getting lost with these objects that you create and, and, and buy into and get carried away by and get lost by, blinded by, take to be so real. And whilst you're doing that, you're not, you're not here. But you are here with some things, things that you like or things that impact on you, events. Like I was trying to... I gave rather a silly example yesterday of, 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 a, of an event that I can remember very clearly. And yet all the incidentals around it, I've got no, no recollection whatsoever, and yet that event could not possibly have taken place without all the incidentals. And yet I have no, no recollection. And I think, I guess for all of us, we can all remember things. Maybe things in our day, even yesterday, we could remember some things. <clears throat> but most of yesterday has already been forgotten because you weren't here. 
loved when you were doing it. So you broke, you broke up. What actually is a continuum. And then we live, we live in these little bits that we create for ourselves. And we wonder why life is unsatisfactory. Why I feel incomplete. Something's not right. Well, the reason why something's not right is because, because you, you, you're not, you're not living every moment. That's why. Because if you do, you would never be, you would never get a sense of incomplete, of, of unsatisfactoriness. And certainly you would never, ever, ever be bored with your life, of which most of us are bored. We look for things to do. <clears throat> Isn't that true? So we're not here. We break up. What is a continuum? That's the conditioned world. That's that's a creation where you pick and choose. But when you begin to wake up and discover that who you really are there is a part of you that's never broken up that has a continuum that flows like a river uninterrupted no beginning no end it's never born and it never dies no such thing as death that's real that's that's the real that's the real part of you and whatever else happens to you in, with your body and your mind and your life, that part is, is never touched by any of it. And that's the real you. That's not some something out there over there somewhere. Something divorced from, from, from you. Some sort of abstract thing that never dies. The abstract thing... It's the conditioned. That's the, that's the abstract. That's the thing that's created in your mind, in your imagination. <clears throat> that part there is, is, is the real. It's the real you. That doesn't, that doesn't know anything about this thing called death. That when it's liberated is one of warmth, not only of wisdom and of knowing but one of warmth and love. That's its nature. Its nature is love. It's not an abstract object. It's what we all live out of. Moment by moment. <clears throat> but we distort it. So don't consider like your true nature to be another thing. Like people, so many people consider... God to be out there over there somewhere we, just, we can't deal we can't grasp we can't truly grasp what is, what is the truth is outside of our realm of ability to, to know in that way <clears throat> and as I say yesterday I was trying to convey to you that in order to deal with death you need to to know the truth to know the truth of death it's reality not what you've bought into that you that you've that, uh, and discovered that you, that you are the creator of that of death the same as that you create you create the object as i say 
and then when it goes into change it dies it reaches its death so you consider everything to have a beginning, middle and end everything, everything that you experience has a beginning, middle and end and you also experience yourself as having a beginning, middle and end so therefore clearly the logic is well, one day I'm going to die and then you create issues around that. It becomes actually the biggest, almost certainly the biggest single thing in anybody's life. Knowing that it's a guarantee. It's the one guarantee that we have. So you know it's going to happen. And so it becomes a very, very big, a bit, very big issue for us. And, and many of us, most of us, actually just go into denial about it. We don't even want to think about it, acknowledge it spend our lives avoiding it, running away from it, pretending it's not going to happen because we can't face it, we can't sit and look at it and know that I'm not gonna I'm not gonna exist anymore. I'm gonna die. And and that that is not just a, an an event that that we get um that we make into something uh, very fearful. That event, that 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 prospect, because you know it's going to happen, can affect your entire life, and it does for many people. That we live our life in that fear, and it conditions practically everything. Well, it, I would say that it conditions everything that we do in our life because everything we do in our life is based in fear. If you look at it, if you look closely at things, even the joyful things in your life are coming from a place that ultimately comes from fear. And fear is fear of death. So it's a big thing. It doesn't get any bigger. And I think the wise person is the one that wakes up to that and gets to know it not turn away from it, <clears throat> run away from it, <clears throat> distort it, pretend it's not there, but actually turns around and looks at it straight in the face and gets to, gets to the bottom of it, <clears throat> gets to know it, gets to know the, the thing in the round, what it's all about. And I think that's what Dharma training's about, because that's what it's doing. It's taking you to that place of fear, of your fear because it's fear that conditions your life that makes life unsatisfactory where all your suffering comes from it's not a small thing it's not an incidental it's the biggest thing in your life actually if you look at it I'm not trying to be pessimistic I'm just realistic I'm not I'm not poo-pooing life and 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 um, you can screw your face up like that but actually but actually you know there's a lot of paradox in this. It's not black and white at all, actually. Because we can endure life, and I'm not poo-pooing life at all. But I think we only, we only engage and enjoy life to a fraction of our potential. That when we do, that when we do you know, have things that, that um, give us happiness and give us joyfulness... This we're only scratching the surface of what of what is our potential.
and these things that we do experience and 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 the, and the good and the good and the good positive things in life do do come and go and we know they go we do know they're going to fade and when they fade who who knows what's going to come next and then we have the angst around that and we want to hold on to it and keep it <coughs> I mean, all the time, if you can see that, we're in, we're in a permanent state of dukkha. We're, all the time we're doing that. But somehow we try to turn away from it, we're not prepared to look at it. But that is, we are scratching the surface of, 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 our, of our potential, what we, can, what we can get from this life and, and experience it for, for, for what it has to offer which isn't running around after things, trying to entertain ourselves with things. The reason why we do that is because a lot of the time we're not entertained. But how about just being content all the time, where you feel you don't have to go looking for things that are impermanent? Don't you think that's a better option? Where you have that, that's, that sense of contentment and fulfilment, doing nothing. No, no anxiety, no impermanence there, no having to run around complete, always, always replacing the thing that you like that's going into change. We are so stupid. This is what we do. That we spend our, our, our lives in a prison. We, we are imprisoned by this. But we don't even know it. That's how stupid we are. Or at least most of us don't know that. But actually, we are we are we are bound and caught, and yet there is a freedom there within all of us, waiting for us to be found, to be discovered, that sweeps away all of that, and then you get true fulfilment, where you don't have to, where you don't have the need to keep running all the time, trying to fill your life up with things that you like, and running away from things that you don't like. It's there waiting for us. And that's the uncondition. That's the part. We're trapped in, in what we create. But this other part is where we find our true freedom. And it's there waiting for us. We live out of it, paradoxically, incredibly. We never actually leave it. It's there now, at this moment. And you can discover it, to some extent, on the cushion, when you learn to be still, learn to let go of your restless mind, this thing that's on the go all the time, you can begin to touch that part. And you're not making it. You don't create anything. You're just discovering what's there when you let go. You just touch it. See, that's a, a, mere, a mere glimpse, a mere... It's not even a glimpse... But it's, but it's indicating to you that actually this is where you really, really love to be. Everybody would like to be. And if that's where everybody's trying to get to. But we're so stupid that we go running after things in the world thinking that that's where it's going to take us. That's what we're going to... That's going to give us the fulfilment. And we spend our life running after things. But actually what we're all... What we all want to do is that we're all running, looking for, for our true nature, so we're at peace, so we can, 
be forever uh, beyond suffering. Everybody. That's what you get out of bed for in the morning, actually, if you didn't realise it. Everyone is doing that. But we're so caught by stupidity that we spend our lives desiring that, but just running after our tails all the time, going around in circles. It's called ignorance. But we all want the same thing. Everybody. Everyone wants to be free. Even though they would never ever see it in those terms. But that's the truth of it. <clears throat> this is what keeps the world going. It's what keeps everything moving. Moving, because we're all looking. Well, we can find it. Rather than go running out there looking for it, which is what ignorance makes us do, chasing, chasing all of these things, running around. Rather than do that, rather than chase out there, turn around and look in. But it means you have to go through a lot of stuff in order to find it. This is why most of us don't do this. But it's that unconditioned, which is not a particularly nice word, but it's the opposite of conditioned. It's your it's your true nature. It's the it's it's it's, it's the human heart. It's the eternal the eternal warmth and love of the of the human heart. Use whatever concepts you like, but be careful you don't get carried away and caught up with these ideas, these, these these words. But that's what we're all we're all of us are looking for that. And if you can get yourself in a place where you can begin to see that more clearly what it actually is, what is real and what isn't real, then you can really begin to turn as much as you can into the real. What is the truth? And if you can do that more and more, then you're turning away from the whole notion of death, which is what we're all possessed by. You're beginning to turn away from that, from that which you consider to be inevitable, to be what is how things are. You begin to see more and more that it's just it's just a it's just a fabrication. It's a game, it's a myth, it's a delusion. So if you can do that, if you can begin to discover what is often dis- described as a deathless, that's what Amravati is, those of you who know Amravati, the monastery in Hertfordshire, called Amravati actually, I think is its correct pronunciation, is the deathless, the deathless realm. Deathless means there's no death. The thing that frightens us all. There is no death. <clears throat> that deathless realm is, is in all of us. It's what we live out of. And it's for us to discover that. To discover the deathless. Then we're free. And then paradoxically... When you're free, you can then come back into life and enjoy this incredible wonderment that we're in the middle of and, disco- and realise that this is who you really are. 
and so and so and so God can enjoy himself because that's what it's that's the end game so he can enjoy his own creation and we have that potential we have that possibility and the more that we can turn to that and the way that we do that is that we don't be continually breaking life up into little bits and chasing after little bits and being caught by little bits. And when we're caught by these things that we're creating, we're missing what's in front of us, that we're blind, that we just, like, like, like a zombie, spending two-thirds of our life on, on autopilot because we're, we're caught and, and carried away by our, by our thoughts by the objects of, of, of the mind and creating this self, this notion of a self-identity around these things that we can't let go of. Hence the mind never stops, is never still, always creating a self-identity. But always, whilst we do that, we're not here, we're not present. So what is a continuum? Becomes something fragmented. And when it becomes fragmented, then we're in trouble. Then we suffer. But that part of us, there's a part of us that's never ever fragmented, ever, literally ever. And the more that you can turn to that, the more you can open up to it, realize it, and, and see and see that this is this is your true home. This is who you really are. To take refuge there, then more and more you come present. So that you, you, you experience the continuum of life, the flow of life, that flow, rather than something that's broken up. And when you do that, and when you can truly turn face and open up to that, then you go beyond death. You truly, truly go beyond death. So the paradox, however you want to describe, when, when, when the time comes when, when, when your form goes into change, which is actually a part of the flux, it is not something that had a beginning and a middle and an end. We've made it into that. We've made it into an object. This is my body. Actually, it's a part of the, it's a part of the endless flow that actually is completely impersonal and it's not yours. And it's questionable whether there's even an object there in the first place, there's even a body there in the first place. And maybe you've even created the, the, the whole notion of a body. Maybe a body, your body is the creation of your mind. So you can see... When you can see into the depth of, of what your mind creates and see and see how you do create this, how you do break up, break up that continuum, that, 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 that flow and consequences of that, then the more that you can come, wake up and, and, and return, return to your innate endless flow, then nothing can touch you. There is no fear because there's no death.
And I think that's a pretty good place to get to when the when the, the form that you consider to be y- yours um, begins will will go into its inevitable change when that form when that when that form begins to break up uh, when that happens you can let it go and not be a victim of what the mind has created for you in your life. And then when that happens, then you flow. You flow, as you've always flowed, for all eternity. And that's what I was trying to convey to you yesterday. And I hope you got some something from it, some message from it. So anyway, as far as I'm making it personal for a moment, turning that round, because that's not being personal, just being personal for a moment, one thing you mustn't do between now and into the future is ever feel sorry for me. Because that's a normal way, a normal thing to do when people get to this stage. There's There's often a lot of that that goes on. And a lot of, I don't know, emotional sentimentality and um, feeling sorry for people um, because they're going to die. Oh, you're going to die. Please don't turn that on me because, A, I don't, I don't need it and I don't want it. And actually, to be honest with you, I would take it as an insult if you did that. If you think I think like that, if you think that I need that type of support, that sort of sentimental support, A, you're wrong, and B, I would take it as an insult because you are thinking that I am still trapped by everything that most other people are trapped by. And actually makes me... Well, I've only experienced that. I mean, I understand it because that's what you do. But I've experienced it once or twice. And I can't think of anything that makes me more angry, actually. So please don't come to me with your sentimentality. Because actually, I've just passed my 50th anniversary. And this is true. 50th anniversary of the last time I hit somebody in anger. (laughs) (laughs) which was I'll tell you what it was actually I'm very very very, it's an event that's in my mind I I used to knock around with my cousin who's the same age as me I was 18 we got really 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 fed up with each other for whatever reason and we were having a drink in the pub Paul knows Morris in Oxford and we got so fed up with each other, we went into the car park and beat hell out of each other. <laughs> <laughs> and after about ten minutes of beating hell out of each other, we got fed up and went back in the pub and had a drink. <laughs> and that's the last time I hit anybody in anger. So I would really like that to be the, the last time, not have another one. So be careful. Um... And what I would like, you know, I certainly would like your support. I mean, don't let me put you off. 
um, you can support me in other ways, you know, with thoughtfulness, consideration, as and when it needs to be done. If it needs to be done, I don't know. It's all speculation. And I value your support. And even now, the the office of support and stuff is very uh, much appreciated. Um, actually, what you can do, I don't know if you do, you can uh, just to help. And I think there's a lot of value in this. It's something that people have been doing since the beginning of time, that you can offer your your meditation, your puja, your prayers, if that's what you do. You can send them in this direction because I think those things do help and it helps to warm us all, helps us to, to find our, our true inner warmth that we've all got. And I think that's, that's very useful for all of us. Um, so... That's a that's a request. You don't have to, but uh, it's it's something that that can be very helpful. So that's really all. That was. Has anybody got any any reflections on that? I mean, I don't know how clear it was. But really, all I'm saying to you is what I said to you. If you listen, you know, I've got all these all these videos but there's also audios that go back I think there's over 200 recordings of audio and video you go back to the beginning it was no different it's not really gone anywhere it's clarified in the areas that have been clarified but all I've ever all I've ever said all all any 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 I think any Dharma teacher with their soul <clears throat> will always encourage you just to be here in in the now as some say the power of now. Some Gita said that, didn't he? Mm-hmm. The power of now. Um, the power of now. About being present. Not living in the past. Not living in the future. Which is where suffering is created. But being here now. There is no suffering here now. There's just now. That's, that's another way of saying being with the endless stream. When you go backwards and forwards, you're creating, you're breaking, you're breaking the stream up into objects, into the mind. The mind breaks, breaks up, and creates. When you're when you're here and now, and when you're truly here and now, you're not thinking those thoughts, but just being present. And when you're present, you're in the endless stream. And you're free. You're beyond birth and death when you're in the present. And it's there. It's an invitation for you. You know, it's that, it, it really is. It really is that simple. It is not complicated. It is not complicated. By golly, people love to make things complicated. Or I see it all the time, even around in this group, when look things need to be done. That is so simple. Yeah, it has to be an event created over nothing. We do that. We do that with everything. And you come to the Dharma, you come to Buddhism, and that and that is wow, wow, oh, enlightenment, 
oh, it's so high, it's so, it's so I can't grasp it, it's so complicated. Look at all those books I've got to read, all those concepts, all, oh, oh my God, will I, ever, will I ever get to understand this? Will I ever get to be able to do it? This is what we do. And I'm telling you, it's just about being here. I mean, it's that complicated. Just be here and everything will fall away, including death. Never mind all your docker about this and that and all your history and all the things in your life and the people and events and all the blame and all the world and blah, 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 blah. Never mind all of that that you hang on to, that you just, you just, you just reinforce all the time and you just go, not only all of that, all of that go, but your own mortality, which is at the basis of it all, even that goes as well, if you just be here. Does anything else need to be said?